Father God, we bless you and honor you, God. God, for this day, this time, this opportunity in your presence, God. Father God, we stand here as your people. God, it's our desire that our hearts be on one accord, one accord our minds tuned towards you. God, desiring to hear from you. God, you said your word goes forth and it does not return void, but it accomplishes every purpose for which is sent. So God, we praise you for your sent word on today. God, touch the minds and the hearts of these your people, God, that as that word is sent, God, God, that it reaches its target deep down in our spirits, God, that it begins to take root, God, and produce fruit in our lives, God. We honor you and praise you, God, for what you're going to do. We thank you, God. God, for prospering your word in this place on this day, God. Moved by your spirit, God, we honor you and praise you, God, for showing yourself strong and mighty in this place, God. Spirit of the living God, this is your time, this is your hour. We are solely focused on you, God, and it's our desire, God, to see your manifest presence in this place, God. So, God, with our hearts towards you, with our lips towards you, with our minds towards you, God, speak to us in this place on this day, God. We bless you and praise you, God, for Bishop Jackson and the mantle upon his life, God. Continue to minister strength. Minister rest to his body right now, God, in the name of Jesus. God, we just love you. And thank you, God. And God, we want to be more. We want to do more. We want to build more for you. Have your way in this place, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Come on and give God some praise in this house. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Turn with me quickly to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. We're going to begin at verse 9. Nehemiah chapter 4, beginning at verse 9. It reads, But we prayed to our God, and because of them we set up a guard against them day and night. Thus in Judah it was said, The strength of the burden bearers is failing. Yet there is much rubbish, and we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see until we come among them, kill them, and put a stop to the work. And it came about when the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times, they will come up against us from every place where you may turn. Then I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, the exposed places, and I stationed the people in families with their swords, spears, and bows. When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, then all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. And it came about from that day on that half of my servants carried on the work 
while half of them held the spears, the shields, and the bows. And the breastplates and the captains were behind the whole houses of, house of Judah. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand, doing the work, and the other holding a weapon. As for the builders, each wore his sword girded at his side as he built, while the trumpeter stood near me. And I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. At whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we carried on the work with half of them holding spears from dawn until the stars appeared. At that time, I also said to the people, let each man with his servant spend the night within Jerusalem so that they may be a guard for us by night and a laborer by day. So neither I, my brothers, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us removed our clothes. Each took his weapon even to the water. Amen. This morning, I want to speak with you from the subject. There has to be opposition in your building. There has to be opposition in your building. You may be seated. Amen. For the last several Sundays, we've been hearing from God, talking about our rising up and building. Um, and it's, it, there are times when we've been excited. Uh, we've been challenged. Um, that at, at, at this point, where we are, a change has to take place. It's time for us to rise up and build. And, and sometimes when we hear the word of the Lord, uh, sometimes we suppose that that word is a call for God to begin to do something. But this word is a little different because it's a call for us to do something. God has already prepared the way. God has already, God has already determined and destined what it is he has for this body. It's just a matter of us getting ourselves to that point where it becomes manifest in the natural. Amen. Man, the Word of God says we're, uh, we're a, a chosen generation. We're a chosen people, a royal generation, a holy priesthood. We're peculiar. Why? Because it's God's desire that for us to show forth his praises. It's God's desire that we bring glory and honor to him. And, and, and throughout the history of his people, you have seen ups and downs going all the way back to the time of Abraham. And it's important for us to under, understand uh, when it comes to our text, you've got to have a historical understanding of how the, the, how the Jews, how the Israelites um, were, were relating to one another in this day and in this time. Um, we've talked about how uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon kept the Jews under control and uh, they were in bondage. They, they served them. Amen. For 70 years. And it wasn't until uh, God spoke to Cyrus, who was not a believer, who was not an Israelite. God spoke to Cyrus and said, I'm going to use you to deliver my people from under Babylon captivity. So God spoke to him and Cyrus was able to conquer all of the land. 
and allow the allow the um, Jews to return back to Jerusalem. Under Babylon captivity, the temple was destroyed. The walls of Jerusalem were destroyed. And the reason they were destroyed was because when you consider who they were, the best way to keep them down was to take away everything that meant something to them. When you consider the fact that it was God through Joshua, it was God through Moses who brought them out of Egypt. It was God through Joshua who led them into Jericho and into the promised land. It was God who, who, who caused them to, to, to just sweep through the land and wipe out all of their enemies. So Jerusalem served as a threat to any other nation or any other kingdom in the area. That was one of the reasons that Nebuchadnezzar wanted to, to overtake them because if he knew he could overtake them and keep them in his possession, he knew he would be okay. He knew he would have control of what they considered was the world. And it was the same reason that Cyrus and Persia rose up. For that same reason, the difference between the two was God had handpicked Cyrus to, to, to be the deliverer for the Jews. Now Cyrus has risen up in Persia, has overtaken Babylon, and he's, he's, he, is, he has written a decree to allow the Jews to return to Jerusalem and to build the temple. As soon as the enemies of Jerusalem heard that they were returning back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, they got upset. They got upset, and then, and then they saw that they were going to be successful at it. So then they began to, they, they went back to Cyrus, and they said, you know what? He said, if you allow them to build this temple, and you allow them to, to, to build the walls of the city, you need to understand they'll be a rebellious people. And what will happen is they'll begin to rise up against you. And they'll begin to rise up against you, and then they'll, they'll pick their own king. Because what happened, and I want to set the stage for this, what happened was when, when, when the king of Persia took over, when you look at a map and look at where Jerusalem was, and, we, and the book of Nehemiah talks about Ammon and Moab, Amnon and Moab, those were essentially across the water from them. Right below that was Edom, Arab. And, 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 and they were essentially across them, and Persia had control, and what Persia would do is they would send governors to each land, to each province, to have, to have control and to rule, to make laws, but they were subject to the king of Persia. And, and their, sub, their subjection to the king of Persia was from the standpoint of primarily paying tribute, paying taxes. Because in the end, it wasn't that you wanted control over all the land. You just wanted them to pay you some money. Cyrus is the one that Jeremiah prophesied to. That God was going to, cause, God was going to put him in a position to have the temple rebuilt. And when the enemies of Judah and Benjamin rose up and began to speak to the, to the king Cyrus about what they were trying to do, Cyrus put a stop to it. 
Now, I want to stop right here, and I want us to consider what was it about the Jews that was such a threat to everybody else that they didn't want them to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the city, and to rebuild the walls. Now, this, this is what happened. Cyrus made them stop building the temple, but he did not make them stop rebuilding the city. He stopped them from rebuilding the temple. He stopped them from rebuilding the walls, but he did not stop them from rebuilding the city. Because rebuilding the temple and rebuilding the walls would position them and would put them in a position of strength rather than a position of vulnerability. So what the Jews were okay with was rebuilding their cities. That's why God rose up Haggai the prophet. He, he, he raises up Haggai. Go with me to Haggai. In Haggai chapter 1, he says, In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says the time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panel houses while the house lies desolate? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there's not, there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple, that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house, which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew and the earth has withheld its produce. And I call for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, and on all the labor of your hands. So, so God, so... Um, through Cyrus, God sent them back to Jerusalem. And now, now they, they stopped them from rebuilding the temple and rebuilding the walls, so they built houses. And now that they built houses, God raises up a prophet Haggai to tell them uh, that they've sown much, but what? But reap little. Now, now, we say rise and build. Somebody say rise and build. 
rise and build. Now, if we have to rise and build, that means there's something that has to be built that should have already been built or something that needs to be built, something we should have built that we have not built. There's a need for something in the house. Amen? Amen. Maybe it's because we so much. Or maybe it's because we eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. Maybe it's because we have clothes, but we're never worn. Maybe it's because we have paneled houses. Well, the house lies in ruins. Now, please understand me. In order for you to get the full ramifications of what I'm talking about, you can't be looking at these walls. You cannot be looking at this carpet and these chairs. You've got to be looking at the house of God. You've got to be looking at, at, at us. You've got to be looking at ourselves because too many times we focus so much on ourselves that we don't have time to focus on anybody else. So God tells them to rise and build. Now, um, a couple of months later, he speaks to Zechariah. And he sends Zechariah to Jerusalem. And he tells Zechariah to go to, um, he tells Zechariah to speak to um, Zerubbabel, who was was the priest, who was in charge at the time of of building the city. He says, speak to him. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, he says, then he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain. He will bring forth the top stones with shouts of grace, grace to it. Also, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands will finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? But these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord, which range to and fro throughout the earth. So God raises up another prophet, Zechariah, to go to them and, and encourage them to rebuild the temple. Now, this is in the year of King Darius. So what happens again? The enemies see. That king that 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 the the prophets have come and they've begun to restart rebuilding the temple and the walls. So they immediately begin they immediately begin to plot and to plan to scheme against it because their fear of what Jerusalem will become. So what do they do? They write a letter to King Darius. First, they question him and say, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this now? Well, the prophets have come. They've stirred us up. Now we're going to rebuild the temple. Now we're going to rebuild the temple. We're going to rebuild the walls. Well, how can you do that? Whose name are you doing this in? So they didn't, then they began to explain to them that there was some, some years ago, Cyrus the king passed a decree that we could do this. So what do the enemies do? They go to Darius, and they say, Darius, there are some people down there who are building up Jerusalem. You know, this is those rebellious people, those people who will rise up and try, try to have a king unto themselves. 
those those people those people who 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 first chance they get they're going to revolt against you but they said that 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 under king cyrus a decree was issued that allowed them to rebuild the temple and, and to rebuild the walls of the city. So what does Darius do? Darius goes and tells them to search for the decree. And, and as they begin to search it, they find the decree that Cyrus had written. And when they find the, the, the decree that Cyrus had written, Darius honors it. <coughs> and Darius says that they can build. Now, what happens is, they, they, they began to build, and their enemies rose up against them again. Because they did not want to see the temple rebuilt and the walls rebuilt of the city. And this is where Nehemiah comes in. Because now God has placed it on Nehemiah's heart that the walls, by this time, the temple's been rebuilt, but the walls, the walls have, of the city have not been built. Now, the temples represented, represented their relationship and their relationship to God, their worship of God. And the walls represented the strength of the city. And when you had when when, when you had when you married those two together, it meant that Jerusalem would be a force to reckon with. Now you remember who the inhabitants of Jerusalem were. The inhabitants of Jerusalem were the descendants of the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. Israel was the other ten tribes. And then across the water, you had Ammon and Moab, who were the descendants of Lot. So everybody's family. Everybody's family. But it was Judah and Benjamin that held a special place in the heart of God. So then Nehemiah says, we, we want to go and rebuild the walls. So Nehemiah gets permission. Nehemiah is, appoint, is, a, is appointed governor over Jerusalem. He is appointed governor over Jerusalem. Now, when he is appointed governor over Jerusalem, the Bible talks about Sambalat, um, the Horonite. Who 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 was a who was an enemy who did not want to see anything happen, and this is why. Because Jerusalem was profitable, was a profitable city for anybody who had influence in there, because that was the only place where you could bring an offering to God. And what was the offering to God that you would bring? That was the only place that Jews could bring an offering to God, which meant that was where they brought their cattle. That was where they brought their gold. That was where they brought their spices. And you remember what the law said, when, when they brought that stuff to the temple to, um, to, to offer, that, that was intended to sustain the Levites, right? This is a little history lesson for all of us. That was intended to, to, to sustain the Helites. I mean, the Levites. Now, Sambalat was a smart man. So this is what he does. He, tells, he, hooked, he gets his daughter to marry the son of Eliashib. 
Who is Eliashib? Eliashib is the chief priest of the temple who's responsible for the disposition of what's brought into the temple. So now it is a profitable venture for him because his, 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 son, his daughter, his son-in-law, is the son of the chief priest. So when Nehemiah comes on to the scene, Nehemiah's getting ready to stick his hand in his business. So he doesn't like it. More importantly, when you, when you look at the fact that Judah and Benjamin are the primary inhabitants of Judah. Our primary inhabitants of Jerusalem. And all around them you have all the other ten tribes and then the descendants of Lot. So it, so it, is, it is a, um, they serve as a threat. As a threat to them. If they're able to have their walls built. And for the most part, in every situation, in every instance, whenever they determined that they were going to build, there was always opposition to their building. There was always opposition to their building because they served as a threat to their enemies if they were ever, if they would ever be strengthened to the point where God could begin to use them. Now, here's the thing. When you, when you begin to look at this from a practical application today, listen, you face opposition when you attempt to build because you serve as a threat to the enemy's progression of what he wants to do in this world. That's why, that's why there are times... Has anybody ever experienced a hard time? Huh? Have you ever experienced a hard time when you were trying to do good? When you were trying to do the right thing? Do something right? And it seems like every time you're trying to do something right, something wrong is coming against you? And see, and, and then too, it doesn't help when, when you're talking about it and people come back to you, oh, God is just going to bless you richly. God is going to bless you tremendously because of what you're doing, because of the decision that you made. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, and I believe God. But right now, where I am, I'm not in line with what you're saying. I can believe it. I can hear it. But this thing is tough for me right now. And it might, at times, it might even discourage me. And that's what had happened with the Jews. When Sambalat and them and those others rose against him because they were trying to do the right thing. They had determined that they were going to do the right thing. But time after time after time, they were facing opposition. And truth be told, they didn't like opposition. And truth be told, we don't like opposition. I can't stand opposition at times. Opposition gets me upset at times because somewhere in my mind, I, somewhere in the recesses of my mind, I believe and I think that things should be simple for me because I'm a believer. 
because I believe in God and I know the power of God. Somewhere in my mind, I have an expectation that all I have to do is speak this thing and it's going to be there. Isn't that what he said in his word? In his word, he said you can speak those things that are not as though they are. Well, I come in here every day and speak a million dollars. I come in here every night and speak a million dollars. I come in here every weekend and speak a million dollars. And I don't see a million dollars nowhere. But to bring it closer to home, I come in here and I speak $5. And I don't see nothing. I speak another $5 and I still don't see nothing. Let's bring that thing home a little bit more. I just want some peace in my house. So I walk in my house and I peace. I speak peace from the north, the south, the east, and the west. But then I, I continue to see discord in my house. I come in at night and speak peace in my house. But every time I turn around, there's conflict rising up in my house. I walk on the job, and I speak prosperity on my job. I speak promotion on my job. In fact, they're not responsible for promoting me. God is responsible for promoting me. God said promotion doesn't come from, from, from man. It doesn't come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. It comes from him. So I am a believer. And when I walk on my job, I have an expectation that everywhere I go, my company's going to prosper. My position's going to prosper. I'm going to prosper. Why? Because I'm a builder. I'm a builder. And I'm building something. But every time I turn around, they're talking about me. They're working against me. They're trying to stop me. They don't like my ideas. Every time I try to do something, they're working against me. But I'm supposed to be a believer. How in the world can I build something when everybody's trying to work against me? I'm trying to start my business. But I go to one place and they shut the door in my face. I go to this place and they shut the door in my face. But I'm supposed to be building. The reason you have the opposition that you have is not because of where you are. It's because of where you're going. The reason you're facing the opposition you're facing is not just because of where you're going, but it's because of what's inside of you and who's inside of you. And I'll let you know right now that you serve as a threat to the enemy. Regardless of how you look at it. When you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, you're looking at a threat to the enemy. The problem for us is we're not in Babylon anymore. We're not in Babylon anymore. We're in Persia. And see, the difference in Babylon and Persia is in Babylon. If they said, do this, I had to do this. If they said, go there, I had to go there. If they said, pick this up, I had to pick this up. But in Persia, they said, you can do whatever you want to do. As long as you follow the laws of the land. See, in Babylon, I had to go when they said go. I had to move when they said move. I had to jump when they said jump. 
And sometimes we won't do anything unless somebody tells us what to do. Sometimes if we have to think on our own and determine within our own selves that we are, we are going to do what God wants us to do, we struggle. Some of us, Bishop, got to come up in here and put a gun to our head to make us do right. Not all of us. Not even most of us. Just some. Just a few. Maybe like half of one on a bad day. So nobody get mad at me. I'm not talking about nobody. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. Please understand. I said that blindfolded. But the problem is, the problem is, we're, we're in Persia and not Babylon. And see, there's a difference in Persia and Babylon. Babylon was possession. Persia was, is oppression. Now see, remember the Jews, for the Jews... Do you remember when Moses told them to come out of Egypt? And they got, Elder Hoskins, they got out in the wilderness and, and, and they started experiencing things that they wasn't used to experiencing. And it wasn't the way they wanted to go. And then some of them began to say, were it not better for us to go back to possession? Because we can't deal with this oppression. Now, the difference in possession and oppression is possession. You don't have a choice in the matter unless there's some type of military revolt that brings you out of where you are. You know, maybe you got to see some plagues or something, about seven of them, for you to see, for, for you to come out of where you are. But, but see, oppression is a little bit different because in oppression, you always have a choice as to whether or not you are going to talk, deal with what it is you're facing. In other words, when, when, when I'm in the midst of possession, you know, unless, unless, some, unless I'm brought out, I'm not coming out. I can't just get up and walk out of it, you know, because I'm under some, I am under some kind of control. But in the midst of oppression, you see, it does not take a hand of force in the midst of oppression. Because all I have to do is control your thinking to cause you to think you can't come out. To keep you from moving out. In other, in other words, when, when, when we are oppressed, we have an ability, an innate ability to come out from under that thing. Because oppression goes straight to our mind. Because they ha the, the, the object of the oppression has no power over us. He has no power over us. And, and when we understand that, all it takes is a change in our mindset and a determination that we're going to move from where we are. See, Sambalat knew. He knew that they could, they, they, there was nothing they could do legally to stop them from building the walls of the temple. He knew that there was nothing that he could do. 
because the decree had already been written. Darius Artaxerxes had already allowed Nehemiah to go back and build the walls. There was nothing that he could do to stop it. But all he could do was use scare tactics. And the problem with that, the problem with that is when we understand that what we're facing is only a threat and not reality, we can look at it from a different perspective. Because there's a difference in the threat and the reality. Now, if I, if I come up to you every day and knock you upside the head, and you don't do, you can't do nothing about it. You know, th- then I have control over you, don't you? Don't I? I have control over you, right? How to a certain extent, I'm possessing you. You belong to me. You know, if I can walk up to you and knock you upside the head at will, come here, bam. You know, at will, I, I, I've got that control over you. Right, but, but when I come up to you, And I don't have that control over you, but I serve as a threat where in your mind, are you following me? In your mind, I might, I might knock you out. Will that render the same reaction? Will it cause you to, 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 to change how you react? Will it cause you to respond in a different light? See, what you have to do is we have to begin to understand that there was a reason, the reason that the enemies did not want the wall of the temple built was because they knew how powerful Jerusalem would come once temple worship was restored And the walls of the city were rebuilt because it would mean they would become a force to be reckoned with. And because they knew that they would become a force to be reckoned with, then it became necessary for them to begin to oppose the work that was taking taking place. We went to, um, thank you. We were helping Sister Terry move yesterday. And when we were helping, we were talking about we were talking about the election coming up. And 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 in the process of talking about the election coming up, we were talking about how much things have changed, not only in this nation, but for our people. And and we were talking to some of the younger men, and we were sharing with them how for us, for our generation. My generation is the last generation that has a connection to the struggles we faced as people in this nation. Because it was my grand, it was my aunt, my dad's sister, who integrated the the, the White High School in Belmont, North Carolina. Because because it was it was it was my grandfather who had the cross burnt in his yard. You know, so 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 those are things that those are things that were passed down to our generation. Things things that we can relate to. Because when I see my art, that comes to mind. 
When I go to my grandfather's house, it's not something that I dwell on. But what I'm saying is I, un I understand. I have that connection to it. And because I have that connection to it, I understand the difference between possession and oppression for me in this world today. In my life today, I understand that there's a difference in possession and oppression. I'm not possessed at all, but there are times when I, I experience oppression in my life as a man. And when, and, and when, I, understand, when I understand that, it causes me to deal with things and see things in a different light. I have to stay on guard most of the time. I, I, Brother, Car I was Brother Carlton and I were talking about, we were telling the young men, listen, you've got to be twice as smart. You've got to be twice as fast. You've got to be twice as good. You've got to be twice as effective and twice as profitable than many times the next man because of who you are, because of the color of your skin. And when you understand that, it makes you look at things in a different light. It makes, it makes you, at times, a little bit more focused. It makes you, at, at times, a little bit more determined. And at times, what it can also do is make you a little bit less surprised when you face opposition. When you run into the potential of experiencing that type of reaction and that type, that type of behavior, you know, it does not come as a shock. You know, we were talking about this younger generation growing up. You know, we, we, went, we went to a, um, a, 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 a meeting, and in this meeting, there was a, a woman, she was talking, and she was, I mean, she was really, it was some, was, was some young kids. She was letting them have it. And this guy, he's sitting beside me, and I'm sitting in there, and I'm like, ooh, these, these kids today. But I'm sitting in there, and he's got his, he's, he's, he's got on a, a, a do-rag. He's got on a wife beater. He's got on boxers. And his boxers had red and yellow and green and blue. Cause I could see them. I didn't have to guess. I didn't have to tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, bro, what kind of boxers? What color are your boxers? I didn't have to do that. All I had to do was look. Bam, there they were. Y'all ever seen anybody like that, man? You know. And then... <laughs> And then his jeans, and, then, and this, this man, he, 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 this young man then proceeds to open his mouth and say, I tried this one time and I wasn't mature enough, but I'm mature enough now. I'm ready for it. <laughs> and she said, but you came in here with a do-rag, a wife beater, and I can see your underwear, and you tell me you're ready for it. See, the problem is, the problem is, you cannot build anything. You cannot build anything if, unless you have a mindset to build in the face of opposition. And see, a lot of times the problem with our youth is they understand building. And they understand opposition. And rather than seeing opposition as a motivation for building, they see opposition as an excuse for not building. Oh, 
how do you fix it? How do we fix it? Because the responsibility does not just lie on our young, but it lies on us as well. Look at what Nehemiah does. In verses 13 and 14. In verses 13 and 14, he says, Then I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, the exposed places. And I stationed the people and families with their swords, spears, and bows. When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. So Nehemiah gathers all the people together and stations them in families. And they have their swords, their spears, and their bows. Why? Because they're facing opposition. And... They are not under attack, but there is a threat of an attack, which is two different things. When you are under attack, your primary stance is to, be, is to fight. But when there is a threat of attack, your primary stance is to be prepared to fight just in case. There, there's a difference. There's a difference in somebody coming up against you and you having to fight and somebody threatening to come up against you and you being prepared to fight. So Nehemiah stations people in families and, and he's got them surrounded, surrounding one another with, with, their, with their spears. He's got them surrounding one another with their swords and their bows. Why? Because they are prepared to fight. And then when he, when he begins to see that they're fearful, Elder Hoskins, he calls them together and says there's a reason that you're, that there's a reason that you're in the position that you're in right now. Because if anything happens, you need to be willing to fight. You need to fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your houses. Bishop said, rise up and build. In order for us to rise up and build, we, Tabernacle of Praise, have got to be willing to fight. Not gossip, not lie, not spread rumors, but stand up and fight. When they, when they experienced a threat of attack, because they were ter- determined to build, he stationed everybody together. And so he said, you protect one another. You've got to be willing to fight for each other. And we have to be willing to fight for each other. Why? Because we are a body. 
And look what happens. When, 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 uh, when the enemies heard, that when the enemy heard, enemies heard, that they knew that, that, that Nehemiah and the other Jews knew what was going on, look at what they did. And that God had frustrated their plan. They went back to what they were doing. And, and the, men, the men of Jerusalem went back to working on the wall. And from that day on, this is what Nehemiah began to do. He put half of the servants on watch, and he put half of the servants on the wall. The servants on watch were prepared to fight, just in case. The servants on the wall were responsible for building the second half of the wall. And this is what, what, what he said. He said, half of them had spears and shields and bows and breastplates, and the captains were behind the whole house of Judah. Why? Because they were determining to build something. And they were building something in the face of opposition, an opposition that would not rest. But as long as they were on guard, the opposition was not going to attack them. Huh? Have, have, you, have you ever heard of people that... Some people are just mouth, huh? but, but, when, but when you put them to the test, they back down. And see, the problem is when mouth comes up against us, T.O.P., when mouth comes up against us, saints of God, we back down for fear of what's going to happen. But you can't back down. You have to be in position. You have to be in position, and you have to be willing to fight. And this is what Nehemiah went on to say. He said, now we've gotten to a point where we progressed so far that the people who were building the wall, they, they, they had the tools to build in one hand, and they had the sword in the other hand. And then it got to the point where Nehemiah said, if you hear the sound of the trumpet, if you hear the sound of the trumpet, then that, that's a sign for everybody to come to that section because we need to fight. The purpose of building the walls is not for your personal gain, but it's for the benefit of the city. They had already built the houses. Isn't that what Haggai told them? He said, but now we need to build the walls of the city, which serves, which serves no specific benefit to you. But because you are in the city, it provides benefit. And the strategy involved in working to protect all of the inhabitants of the city while they were completing their work. working to protect all of the inhabitants of the city while completing their work, their work. When things are going on in our lives, oftentimes we determine that we feel as though we should say, we should speak it, that we not have to deal with it, or, or believe that God will just take this thing or because we're believers, we should not have to deal with this thing. How many of you have ever said that? Because I'm a believer, I shouldn't have to deal with this. Or 
regardless whether you're a believer or not, does anybody have anything that they face that they said, you know what, I shouldn't have to deal with this, or I don't have to take this? Right? Why? Because in the midst of opposition, we don't see its relevance in what God is trying to build in us. When God brings opposition into your life, its intent is to cause you to rise up and build. When he brings conflict in your life, God's intent is to cause you to rise up and build. And when you understand that, It should change your perspective. It should change how you look at it. But for for us, listen. In your family, there have got to be some walls in your family. There have got to be some walls in your house. If you're going to stay fortified and protected, there have got to be some walls that are built. And in the body... There have got to be some walls that are built. And a part of building those walls is having a willingness to build and to fight. A willingness to build and to fight. And because we are children of God, because we are God's chosen generation, because we're a royal priesthood, we can depend, we can lean on God's word, which said the battle is not ours, but it's the Lord's. Because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay so that the fight that you fight becomes a fight of suiting up and having your sword, your shield, your breastplate, your helmet, your sandals on, and having a willingness to stand in the midst of the battle. And sometimes all it takes is the sound of a trumpet for you to experience victory. Because that's the God that we serve. Tabernacle Praise, we've been challenged to rise and build. And if there's anything that you can take away from this message, let's not talk about one another. Let's love one another. Let's not hurt one another. Let's fight for one another. Let's protect one another. Now, does it mean in the midst of this, will I ever be hurt? Probably. Will my feelings get hurt? Most definitely. Will I ever get offended? Probably. 
Will I ever be surprised? Probably. Will I ever hear things that shock me? You might. You might. You might. But after the shock, pray. And then after praying, be quiet. Why? Because we're building something. Because we're building something. You know what? It's tough enough out there. There's no point in making it tough in here. Huh? It's tough enough out there. There's no point in making it tough in here. And the other thing, as a child of God, you're going to do more growing in here than you will out there. You'll do more maturing in here than you will out there. Iron sharpeneth iron. The word did not say a loofah sharpeneth. Iron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ain't that soft? It's a loop of soft. It's very soft. You know, you can pull out your iron sword and your loof, your wife's loofah, not yours. Your wife's loofah. <laughs> yeah. And try and sharpen your sword is not gonna work. Is it, Elder? It's not gonna work. But you pull out another piece of iron and you rub it together and rub it together. And sometimes sparks are going to fly. Sometimes sparks are going to fly. But in the end, what does, what, does a, what does a blacksmith do? He takes that iron and he dips it in cool water. And when he brings it out, it's sharper than it was before. So we've got, to be, we've got to be willing to understand that. And understand that, you know what? Nothing should surprise us when it comes to us. Huh? Because we're facing opposition, we're growing, and we're building. But of most importance is we always understand that we've got to be on guard with our weapons and we've got to be equipped with our tools. And if you are not, if you are not positioned with both of those things, you're failing the body and you're suffering because of it. Does that make sense? And at times... The opposition is a tough pill to swallow. Because you know what? Strangers don't oppose you. They're just strangers. Strangers don't oppose you. They're just strangers. But God places people who are close to us, who are close to us, because Sambalat was a cousin. He was a cousin. And all their enemies around them 
we're family. Amen? Let's stand to our feet.